Welcome back to another episode of Being at Work. I'm your host, Andrea Butcher, and hopefully you can hear the enthusiasm in my voice. I love the conversation today because our guest has such an important message for all leaders. It is so much easier to be yourself. Our guest led through a pivotal moment many years ago when she was interviewing for a role that she calls a major leap. Of course, she was a ball of nerves, and the person coaching her for the position was encouraging her to be something that she wasn't. Mary Beth Costello is the Vice President of Talent, Learning, and Corporate HR for Encore. But what you really need to know about Mary Beth is that she did get that job, and she quickly learned that her natural strengths were actually exactly what was needed for success in the position and in that culture. Listen in as we talk about being comfortable in your own skin and learning to be more of who you already are. Check it out. I will start by saying I did not start my career in HR. In fact, I was um, starting my career in uh, operations and customer service sort of in a direct marketing uh, company. And um, I enjoyed it. But what was happening is what I really loved about my job was when people would send others uh, to train with me. So we'd get a new hire and I'd end up being the person they would send to help that person do some on-the-job training. So I started finding out like, wow, I'm really enjoying this part of my job more than the rest of it. And by that time, I had been promoted to a supervisory role. And like I said, it was sort of in an operations type environment. And again, I I was doing well in the company, but like I said, it just wasn't, it wasn't that much fun. And so I did go to my boss at that time and I said, hey, I, I think I'd really, you know, like a career more in training. And he was like, well, that's great. And you can do that. We want you to do that while you're still doing your other job because, you know, that doesn't really make sense. We don't have that position. So I said, okay, okay. And meanwhile, it was still playing in my head. And one day I applied for a corporate trainer job and it was a trainer of like customer service. So I thought, well, even though I don't have this background on my resume, you know, as far as what I earned my degree in and all of that, maybe, you know, my experience would would make sense. So I did apply for that job and I told my manager at the time and he actually said, well, I got to tell you, you're making the worst mistake of your life, but it's up to you if that's what you want to do. And I said, you know, what are you talking about? And he was like, well, you know, training. I mean, you're in operations, you're a woman, you're doing great, you're moving up. Training is kind of where, you know, when when business gets bad and there, there are always downturns, that's kind of the first place to cut. So you're sort of putting yourself at risk. I, I, I don't really think it's a great move for you. But anyway, I ignored him. And that <laughs> that was one of the pivotal moments, actually, other than what I'm going to tell you about. So I ignored him because I was like, I wanted to do something I liked. And I did get into that first role as a trainer. Frankly, there were moments when I thought he was right. This is really not what I thought it was going to be. But I stuck with it. And I started sort of moving up in that in that realm. So I was a trainer. I became an instructional designer. Again, not not my training, although I was always a good writer and I like teaching people. So I sort of fell into that role and started move, moving up within the training field. And that leads to the background of how did I end up like in HR? Well, and I love that you ignored him. I mean, <laughs> because I mean, I just think about I think about all those things he said, like you're in an operational environment, you are, you, he called you out as a female in that environment. And 
What, like, what do you think it was that caused you to go your own path rather than listening to him? I mean, here's someone advising and guiding you and you're like, that's not what I'm going to do. It's interesting. And I didn't expect to tell this story, but one day I was driving home and without going into the details of what it was, it was something going on in the job itself that I was responsible for. And it was making me very nervous. And I was driving home and my leg was actually shaking. It sounds very funny, but my leg was shaking to the point that I sort of had to hold it still so that I could drive in a, in a functional manner. And I was like, wow, like this is a lot of stress. And I was too young to realize that how really unhealthy that was. But what did happen is, you know, I went back to the job, I solved the problem, it was all okay. But kind of realizing the difference in the way I felt when I was doing that role and being very stressed out, and when they would send me the newbie to train. And it was like, I loved it. So in that very job, which by the way, taught me a lot about being a supervisor, but it also taught me like internally, the difference of sort of hating what you're doing and loving what you're doing all in the same job. And I was like, I can't, I can't go on like that. I, I want to be successful, but I want it to feel good. It's really interesting to me that that early in your career, you had that insight. I mean, and it's just such an important lesson to be paying attention to what lights you up and what drains you. Yeah. And I would say at that time, I don't think I thought of it as some type of a insight, but it was. It was when I, I, I was internalizing that without really even realizing what I was figuring out. Well, and you also had these, it sounds like some real extremes, like you had things you really, really enjoyed and things you really didn't like at all. Absolutely. <laughs> so the, the juxtaposition became apparent. Well, so it's funny, Mary Beth, because so, now I, I know there's this theme of you taking these different paths. Because I know when I asked you about a pivotal moment that taught you a lot about your leadership, it also involved a leap of faith and getting some bad advice. <laughs> yeah. So that that pivotal moment, and as I was thinking about this interview, there, there have been a few. But at that time, I was in the training field. My boss had just been promoted and I was interviewing to take his former role. So I knew it was a bit of a stretch from the position I had at the time, but I also was pretty excited about it. So I was asking him, my boss who had just been promoted, for some advice for my interview, which was with the VP the next day. And he gave me what he thought was really good advice. He was being very sincere and he wanted me to get the job. And he said, the VP is going to be concerned that I was young and female, and it was a very male-dominated company and industry, and I would really need to prove that I was up for that. And he told me, he said, you kind of can come across as being too nice. You need to convince him that you can kind of get in the face of these guys and that you're kind of aggressive and assertive and that you can stand up and really come off as more of like a tough leader. So I was like, okay, well, that didn't really sound like me, but I was like, all right, I really want the job. And I, I did think I could do it. So that night I went home, I'm preparing for the interview and I was doing what you do. I came up with all my examples of my experiences and actually I had many, but then I started trying to figure out how am I going to answer that question about my management style and how I could fit into this culture. And what happened is I, I sort of found myself becoming like a nervous wreck. I actually considered backing out of the interview and just saying, you know what, uh, this isn't for me. Well, yeah, because he was because he was basically saying, don't be yourself, Mary Beth. 
he was and i you know in fairness to him i really think he thought he was helping like this is going to be and and he was sort of that kind of a leader he was actually a very kind person but he was more of that traditional very strong seemingly very tough type of leader so anyway i didn't back out of the interview i went back and i i was sharing my experiences i was okay the question hadn't come up and then it did you know, something like, how will you adapt your style, you know, to fit in? This is male dominated. It's New York. It's a tough culture. And actually, by the way, it was. <laughs> so, so I started thinking about it. And at that point, I realized, you know, maybe this job isn't for me, you know, and I, I thought about it. And so what came out of my mouth was not what I had planned. I just said, you know, I, I told him what I thought, that I, I had the experience for the role. I told him that my leadership style had served me very well. You know, I hold people accountable, but I really am more of a softer sort of empathetic style. And I told him I just maybe am not the right fit for this culture. I said, I, you know, and by the way, I, I was I was like, I knew him. And I said, listen, I, I get it. Like, it, I may just not be a good fit and I'm okay. Like, I really love the job I'm in. So you know, I get it and I understand. And that felt really good. And I was suddenly like, okay, okay. And, but that was not the pivotal moment. He looked at me and he was said something to the effect of like, wow, I wish I was as comfortable in my skin as you are when I was your age. I, I wish I had that self-awareness and confidence, which by the way, I did not feel that it was confidence, but that's the way he saw it. Well, how did you feel when you were saying that to him? Was that hard for you? It was hard. I felt because I had never in my life sort of gone into an interview and not not sort of given it my all and not sort of tried to come up with the right answer and, you know, and practiced and whatnot. But there was this huge sense of relief, not because I thought it was a brilliant answer. It's because I thought I'm done. I don't want this job, actually. And I'm... <laughs> <laughs> and I and at least I'm like getting out of it and I had a good job. Like I, I liked yeah. what I was doing. He wasn't you know, I wasn't gonna lose the role I had. And you were being really honest, so that had to feel good psychologically, just to name it. It did. And it, it was basically a relief. You know, and then he said, he went on to say, you know what? I actually think this culture, like you are exactly what we need. And I was like, What? <laughs> Um, it was one of those what the heck moments. And I think that was the beginning of my realization that some of the things I was trying to change about myself to have more of a different style, to be more, I want to say maybe aggressive, assertive, some of those things I was trying to change about myself were actually helping me all along the way and, and were possibly my biggest strengths. And that I shouldn't try to change them. Instead, I should try to develop them and use them more. Actually, it was your strength. It's who you are naturally that positions you well for that opportunity. Absolutely. And I think so oftentimes, you know, as I see people now in my current role, when I'm, whether they are people on my team, whether they're new hires, whether they're executives, a lot of times people are trying to kind of overcome something that you know, we all have to overcome things. And sometimes we have to do things that aren't natural or don't come easy. But really, if you focus on what you do really well, it can compensate for a lot of the things that maybe just aren't your strength. Oh my gosh, that's such an important point. 
I want to go back to because this is this is authentic leadership, what you're describing. And you and I share share this deep passion for equipping leaders, developing leaders, helping leaders discover more of who they are so they can be more of that. And that is what I think this example is such a good reminder of authenticity in the moment. So I want to go back, you know, I asked you how you were feeling. What do you think it is that really drove you in that moment to say, you, you said you ended up feeling relieved. But what is it that drove you to just be really honest about, like, this is just not for me? It was the realization that if in order to get this role, I am going to feel sick to my stomach, nervous, not myself every single day, like I could do it for an interview, but I would have to do that every single day to be successful. So I thought, I literally can't do it. It isn't it isn't going to work. Frankly, I knew I wouldn't be successful if I had to pretend like I'm not a good actor. So so, um, really, it was more the realization that I I just really will not, I will not succeed. And I won't succeed because I will be, you know, not in my comfort zone, not in my sweet spot. So I don't know if I was putting those words to it at that time. But I, I knew it wasn't going to be, you know, I pictured myself in the role behaving in the way that I thought I had to behave. And I thought I might be able to do that, but not every day. Like, (laughs) Well, and you, you know, you are a very confident person. And I want to keep digging into this because I think that your confidence is really helpful because even in your, the previous story, there's a parallel, right? Where like he was saying, it's not a good move for different reasons, but this boss, like it's, it's, was sharing a similar message and, and his words were, you need to prove that you are up for it. Like, but you didn't, at some, at some level, you must've realized like, I don't have anything to prove. I'm doing okay. I've got a good job. There are some things that are working for me. It's weird, Andrea, because, um, I did not think of myself, especially that, I mean, even now to some extent, I, I would not necessarily have described myself as being confident. When I look back on it, it was a sense of confidence in, and I think it came down to, you have to know yourself and you have to know what's important to you. So what's the characteristic? I think this is good. If it's not confidence, what is it? Like, what is the characteristic? Well, I do think it it ends up manifesting itself in confidence. I think it it comes down to me, to self-awareness. What am I willing to do? What do I want to do? What's important to me? And this is going to sound funny, but it was always important to me to be successful in my career. But the next step and the title, and honestly, it never was that important. And yet I ended up achieving it and then it became important. So it was like- Isn't that interesting how that happens, you know? It is strange. And you know, it's funny because now sometimes I'll talk to my husband and I'll say, well, I don't know, you know, I don't know if I really want that next step or that next role. And he always just, he's like, yeah, you do, you do. Like, and I, I think, well, I don't know. I'm happy where I am. I, I just want, so I think the the revelation that you know what you want and you aren't afraid to turn something down if it's just not right. And that ends up being really refreshing, just as it was to this interviewer. I mean, that probably took him, it probably took him aback. It did. And he's still, we are still friends. You know, he's retired now, but um, 
we are Facebook friends. And it really was, it was a pivotal moment. It was a great part of my career. He was a great leader. Frankly, his leadership style was very much like mine. He just never, and he said, I didn't get to be that way until I was probably much later in my career. So I, I, you know, I got to know him really well and, and to understand that about him, it was, it was great. Well, and we're seeing, I mean, it's, it's fun today to see qualities like empathy and grace and listening skills are really at the forefront of important leadership characteristics right now because of the world in which we're leading and the complexities that we're navigating. So that it must feel, uh, it must feel validating in some ways. Yeah, it absolutely does. And, you know, you also have to be open to learning from people, whatever their style. I think it ends up, you know, you just start absorbing that and learning more about yourself ultimately. Yes. The self-awareness and the behaviors that you're, that you're describing, you know, you said being willing to like recognize what am I willing to do? What do I want to do? And then having the courage to communicate that. It's one thing to be reflective and to notice those things. It's another thing then to set boundaries and to have the courage to say like, no, this isn't for me. And I can think of so many leadership scenarios in which that's applicable, that's valuable and helpful. Even from a sales perspective, I met with my sales coach a couple of days ago and we were talking about how over the last couple of years, I've really noticed that as we've gotten as an organization really clear on what we're good at, it's given me the confidence to say, and I have this conversation a lot with prospects like, no, that's like, that's not our sweet spot. Like that's just not where, and it's interesting. I feel like most of the time when I do that, then they really want to work with us. <laughs> so. Well, exactly. Because it's like, tell you know, and I, I, that's, that's actually a really good point. It's like, know your strengths and know what your strengths are not, because it doesn't mean that you, just because something isn't a strong suit, you'll never have to do it and you'll never have to flex. Of course you do. But I think just being honest with yourself about it and then eventually being honest with others, then they know. And it's like, okay, well, I get it. I get what your sweet spot is. I get what you're good at. And, you know, I, I actually think just in managing others, it's the same thing. You know, when I look at people over the years that are on my team, if you can figure out what they're really good at and help develop that, you're going to have a great team. And I think so often people, they're well-intended, they have a lot of skill, but they're in a situation that they're not using that skill. They're not using what they're best at. And so they get very frustrated. They can even become a poor performer. So um, I do think that it, you know, it's all about, it's it's knowing that yourself, it's learning that from others, and then it's it's being able to kind of help others develop in that way too. Yeah. When we were talking recently about this this story, you said to me, it's so much easier to be yourself. That really resonated. And that's exactly what you're describing. And what I hear and what you're saying is you're helping your team members to do that as well. You know, I certainly hope so. I think that's one of my goals is to really help people figure out, you know, what are you best at and how can we make sure, you know, in our company, we use that skill, we develop that skill. And, you know, there are times when people realize, like I did, actually, this really isn't for me. And that's okay. I mean, figuring it out is the first step, right? Yes. So how do you develop that self-awareness in others? I mean, it probably starts, I think I'm just, because I have the fortune of working with a lot of your team members, you have rock star team members. So you have hired people who have a growth mindset 
right? Who are learners at heart. But then how do you go about teaching people self-awareness? Some of it, people have to become self-aware on their own. I don't know that you can teach it, but you can put them in positions where you know they're going to shine at something and you can make sure that they have those assignments, that they stretch themselves and then reinforce that because then they become self-aware themselves. It's like, wow, I didn't really think I could do that or I didn't really realize that was a strength. You put me in that position, let them figure it out themselves, but then of course um, validate that and confirm that and, and recognize that because you know I can tell somebody all day long something about themselves, but frankly, I don't really know that. I, you know, I have my inclination. I, I think I can read people well, but I think what you do is do your best to help them discover that themselves. Yeah. Create an environment in which they can develop that themselves. I want to go back also to your point about, yes, you got to know what your strengths are, but also at the same time, like you're always going to have to be adapting and tweaking to the environment and what's needed. How do you balance that? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think, again, just as you need to know what your strengths are, you do need to know what those things are that, frankly, either you avoid them, you're not that good at it. And and again, be honest about it, because some of those things you do need to do. You can't just say, well, I just won't do them then. You know, I, I can give you an example. You know, I am not really big on conflict. I'll admit it. And here in an HR role, seriously, you do have to deal with conflict like all day long. So I knew in order to do all the things I love, that one, I'm going to need to get better at it. I might not be the person who seeks out the conflict, but I do need to be a person who can face it and resolve it. And so I think it's a matter of, again, honest with yourself, put yourself in the positions, you know, and then... What happens is, is if you force yourself to practice that and kind of, in this case, kind of confront those issues, you do begin to realize, you know what, that feels really good when I've accomplished that. I don't think I'm ever going to say, um, like I said, I seek that out or I'm the best ever at that, but I know I can do it. And so, you know, it's it's rewarding to challenge yourself. And and the other thing, and I, I tell I tell my kids this too, it's like, if something is really bothering you or someone and you, you don't want to confront it, make a game out of it. And as funny as this sounds, in your mind, think, if I do this, I win the game. I win the game because I was able to do it. I was able to confront it. And I got the result that I wanted. That doesn't mean that you, it doesn't mean that you necessarily convince that person you were right or whatever. But, but I think if you, you make it a challenge in your own mind. To kind of conquer that. Well, and just confronting it is a win. Just leaning into it and addressing it. And that's the goal. And so if I do that, I've accomplished it. I love it. That's a huge takeaway for me. Because I want that win. Because I can think of lots of situations when, oh my gosh, it just, it was eating at me, eating at me. But as soon as I address, addressed it, it was like, oh gosh, why didn't I do that so much earlier? Right. It really wasn't that bad. And I won. Like in my head, I did it. I, you know, check it off. I did it. Well, you, you know, it's so fun to hear some of the, the backstory of the things that have shaped you to be who you are. And, you know, I want to, I want to just mention too this, I'm struck by like what I perceived as confidence. You didn't necessarily perceive it. And so I was just thinking about that. Like, what is it about Mary Beth that call, call, like really calls me to call her confident? 
And I think it's your steadiness as well. I've seen you in lots of different situations, you know, socially, obviously lots of work leadership situations in different contexts. And you're always very consistent. You're always steady. There's a predictability about you that is really comforting and really refreshing. So I just, I wanted to acknowledge that in you. Thank you. I, you know, I think over time it goes to that knowing what is most important to you and realizing that while there's many things that are important, if you know what it is inside that that kind of is the most important thing of all and you keep that in the front of your mind, you know, everything else is, you know, it, it won't stress you out as much. Yeah. It's a grounding effect, isn't it? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So wherever you go, there you are grounded in that. Awesome. Well, Mary Beth, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for sharing your story and inspiring us to speak up and share more of who we are, continue to pay attention to that so that we can leverage it, both the strengths and the the non-strengths so that we can supplement those. If our listeners want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Sure. I think the best way would just be uh, through LinkedIn. You can find me there, uh, Mary Beth, and my middle name is Rodden, Mary Beth Rodden Castello, um, and I'd be glad to link in with anyone. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a Being at Work story.